Welcome to the Family Life Podcast. This is a podcast for all families, traditional and non-traditional, to grow in their mental, emotional, social, and spiritual health. Join us each week as we seek greater understanding of ourselves and our loved ones. We're glad you're with us. Hi, and welcome to the Family Life Podcast. This is Pastor Jay. Uh, We're a podcast uh, dedicated to help families grow and thrive and become healthy families. Uh, You're listening to a series that we're doing right now on the topic of trauma. And uh, we've been pleased to have several uh, different people come and speak to us about what we're doing and and giving us an insight about what trauma is. And today I'm really thrilled to invite um, a new friend, Edward Mooney. Um, uh, Edward Mooney spent years as a teacher in high schools and, and in his time there has grown to understand trauma and, um, and, uh, 2013, is that right? Uh, completed his EDD on, uh, trauma. Yes, my doctorate in 2013. Wonderful. So let me let you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us just a little bit about how you ended up talking about this topic. Well, first of all, um, many years ago I became a high school teacher. And uh, in my second year, I believe it was my second year of teaching, I was having lunch with a group of students in front of uh, our school, and it was a normal everyday school day. And I heard loud noises and felt things from the tree above me raining down on me. Mm. And I, I was confused. And as soon as I heard a loud pop, I remember dropping my lunch and looking, and there was a man driving by in a truck, and I could see there was a gun sticking out, and I could see the, the flash and I could hear the bullets hitting the tree above me. So I immediately threw the two kids behind a planter and on the ground, I behind the tree. And uh, I, the strange thing was, is I realized that I, it changed me. Mm. That moment changed me considerably. I look back and I only have little bits of memories from after the shooting for the rest of the school day. Mm. And uh, going through my career as a teacher, I saw many uh, acts of trauma, as I call them, physical fights and things like that. Mm. And uh, I became interested in the effects of all of this on your ability to teach and to learn. My background's in educational psychology, so this became my specialization. Um, As I went into my doctorate, um, we had a a case study we were looking at about a school shooting. Mm. And all of a sudden I realized I believed I knew the teacher who was cited in there. Mm. So I contacted this person and found out it was this person. We met for an hour lunch that turned into a three and a half hour lunch. That became the foundation, uh, my first class in my doctoral program uh, towards my dissertation research, Mm. which was on the effects of the trauma of a school shooting on a teacher. Mm. And uh, since then, I've been continuing my studies. By the way, I interviewed many teachers Mm. uh, besides her, but I found patterns and interesting insights into what makes teachers tick after school. Hmm. I know that you have a particular interest in helping people define trauma. I think that's one of the key things I'm trying to help people do. We tend to think of it as I was in a bad car wreck, I broke my arm, and now I had some shell shock or some other word for that, you know, that we call trauma now. But it's, it's a much bigger scope than what we had previously thought. So tell me a little bit about like how you would help somebody understand and define trauma. Well, first of all, um, trauma is an emotional and physical response to a terrible event, if you just want to put it in a simple definition. Um, And a terrible event 
can take many forms. Mm -hmm. A veteran coming back from Afghanistan, of course, uh, that could be considered PTSD trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, but any emotional event could also be a trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, physical abuse, sexual abuse, uh, school shootings, mm -hmm. um, just seeing some horrible things. I remember as a teacher when I saw a fight, I won't describe it graphically, but I remember feeling traumatized. Mm -hmm. um, you will feel it emotionally. The core of what trauma is, is the feeling of being unsafe. Mm. Uh, something terrible can be happening. And here's the other core. I'm not in control. Mm. So being in control, not in control and being unsafe is kind of the hallmark of trauma. Mm. Um, and these can be, by the way, one-time events, such as you saw a car accident. Uh, these could be ongoing events such as repeated abuse or something like that. Mm -hmm. It can be horrific events. And I hate to say this, but this coronavirus is a form of trauma. Mm -hmm. You and I spoke earlier about Maslow's hierarchy of, of needs. Right. At the top, we all want to be self-actualized. We want to be happy in how we're living our lives. At the very bottom, there's a tremendous need for food, for air, for water, for feeling safe. And when we have events like what we're seeing now, everybody's hierarchy and needs goes right down mm. to feeling. I mean, look at the run on toilet paper. Uh, look at how difficult it is. I'm, I've, I have to admit, I'm very anxious when I go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm worried about my physical safety now. Mm -hmm. So trauma is anything that makes you feel terrified and out of control. Mm. So as I said, it could be a whole host of things. Right. And here's another thing. Uh, many of us are uh, proponents of an idea called compound or complex PTSD. Many different types of trauma can make things a little more difficult. And I know there are people listening that have experienced traumas in the past, they're going through this, and they're feeling more anxious. It's normal. Uh, really, these responses are normal reactions to abnormal events. I hope that gives you just a thumbnail of what trauma is. No, I love what you just said there because there is a sense, uh, there's an American, you know, Western culture sort of like, pull your boots up, it's all gonna be okay, what's the positive side? And, and it feels very almost condescending for you to have to tell me how I'm supposed to feel about this. You know, like, no, this really stinks and you're not giving me any permission to grieve, to be angry, to be frustrated. Right. And I, I like what you said, a real threat to my safety and support. And, uh, you know, I find myself, oh. you know, I think of myself as fairly, you know, integrated, but boy, have I, have I acted in really abnormal ways recently, you know, of, you know, crying at on odd things or being anxious and upset at things, which leads me to ask some questions. I know that you've, you've talked about that there are definitely symptoms uh, of what it means oh, to have sure. trauma. So t tell us a little bit about what some of those symptoms look like. Um, I'm talking to a lot of people and I'm feeling these too, so I can really relate. Um, there are gonna be things like shock or denial or disbelief. Uh, you're, you're, you're fighting, oh, this isn't really happening. And in a way, some of us are going through grieving over our old way of life. I was just teasing my wife about, do you remember when we used to go to the store and not be afraid? <laughs> uh, and that's a form of grieving. It's like, I, I'd run into the store and not even think about it. But yeah. now I have to think about it. I'll just say I went to Costco recently and it was a mess. And when I came home to Tia, I said, well, I think what I'm grieving is convenience. 
I just grieve. It's true. It's and true. I feel like it's such a first world problem, but it's real grief. And so I have to honor that. Real it's problem. real grief. Yeah. Um, there is, um, I think uh, the, the, the story I love to use is if you've ever had a computer problem mm-hmm. where you've got a virus on it and you're trying to edit a Microsoft Word document and it's slow and you're like, what's going on? I'm very frustrated. I know how to do this, but it's, my Microsoft Word isn't working. Well, in a way, we have a virus in our mind right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not coronavirus. <laughs> but um, what's going on is the lower part of our brain, the amygdala, if you point right in front of your ears into your skull, the amygdala is in the center there. Some of us call it the lizard brain. It's the fight or flight, um, protect yourself part of the brain. And right now, that thing is on high alert. Mm-hmm. So you're always looking, well, what was that sound? Oh, it was a cereal box dropping on the floor. Mm-hmm. You're, you're starting to see, say, am I perceiving threats? Is that a threat? So when you're saying things like, well, I want to do some art, uh, I'm going to do some writing, but I'm finding I'm not getting able to do it it's because the lower part of my brain mm. is just really consumed with what was that sound? Now, well, I have money to pay the rent this month or can I go to the grocery store? Well, I have enough for food. Mm. Um, so I've heard people say, I don't understand why I couldn't clean my closet. I have all the time in the world now. Well, the reason is, is the time is being consumed by our obsession with the fear. Um, you're going to also feel uh, irritability and mood swings. Um, I don't know why, but I'll read something in the news. By the way, one thing I tell people is really limit your news intake per mm. day. Don't sit glued to it all day long. Um, I saw something in the news and I walked out a little agitated and upset. And my wife said something, oh, did you leave that plate uh, next to the sink? And I snapped at her and I stopped. What was that all about? Well, it was because my mind was obsessing with something and my feeling was, don't bring this trivia to me. And uh, one of the, by the way, here's a little tip I'm giving everyone. I have a, a slogan that I'm telling everybody, just let it be or let it go. Mm. Um, and if my wife left something on the table, leave it there. Um, if she didn't, if she forgot to turn the dishwasher on or turn it on myself, just let things go. Right. Another thing you're going to feel is awful lot of anxiety. And what anxiety is, is kind of a, uh, an amorphous sort of thing of something bad is going to happen mm. and it's difficult to nail it down. Then there's actual fear. Can I pay my rent? Mm. Uh, will I be able to get to a doctor if I need one? And there are thousands of things we could be fearful of right now. Right. Um, you're also going to feel guilt. Uh, as a Christian, the one thing I've been telling people is it's okay to feel all of these things. You are not a bad Christian. Hmm. If you're anxious or irritable or fearful or in denial, uh, this is normal humanity. Hmm. I believe Jesus knows this about us. I'm really darn sure he knows about it. And um, I think what's best for us is to own it. And you and I talked about the concept of metacognition. Hmm. Let's be aware of what our thought processes are going through. By the way, the other thing is, is we're probably scared about working with our kids. Um, we tend to withdraw from people. Right. Um, we'll feel hopelessness or sadness, or some people will feel emotionally numb. Mm. Um, this is why I go back to metacognition. Be aware of what's going on with right. your emotions. Uh, by the way, your kids are looking to us for that. 
And when yeah. we're aware, it will help them cope with these things. Right. Um, but I can go on too long for that. No, 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 that's great. What I, what it makes me think about is like one of the questions is, and it's a great question is like, how much should we care to share with our kids? How much do we hide from our kids? How much, because there really is, we can't, we shouldn't be at the fire hose of the media right now, much less our children at the fire hose of the media right now. But at the same time, hiding is also not giving them and, and modeling for them appropriate responses to, to say, yes, I, this does make me anxious and afraid, but I think I'm going to be okay. But I do have those feelings and, and modeling for what that looks like for, for someone else. We talked about that with grief in another podcast. How do we model grief for someone? It's the same thing with anxiety. It's the same thing with depression. It's the same thing with, um, with, with all of these um, aspects. There's something to us that needs to be a, um, a guide for kids who don't have that prefrontal cortex way to to process. It's just not developed yet. And and we need to do that for them at this time. Um, with, with, with that in mind, I know that you've talked about some of those um, variables um, and, and systems that are in place that can help somebody deal with and walk through trauma. Um, you admit, I thought it was really interesting. You talked about two, you know, two different teachers experience the same kind of thing but then each came out in a different way. Can, can you talk a little bit more about that? And, and maybe what were the variables oh, sure. that changed between those things that we can be thinking, these are the variables I want to create for my own kids for support and safety? Well, first of all, when I went into my research, um, I had a very simplistic view of what, what uh, would mean success or failure after going through trauma. In my education, my research, I learned that it was like a math formula, and I never was great at math. <laughs> um, <laughs> my brother. Um, <laughs> I can do math, but um, it's sort of one of those equations with all these variables in it. And some of the variables are, number one, what kind of trauma have you been through in the past? Mm. I heard someone the other day say that if you've been through trauma in the past, you'll probably do all right with this. Mm, eh, not so true. Actually, having previous trauma could make it more difficult in these times. Another one is, what is your social support system around you? Um, do you have a, a t good family? Do you have friends? Um, my wife and I Zoom with our kids in California quite a bit, and I really feel this sense of I'm not alone. One of the critical um, components of healing from trauma is socialization and acceptance from other people. If I tell everyone, um, for example, uh, I don't like to say it much, but I, w I had a physically abusive alcoholic father. Mm. When I went through high school and we, I went to work, my take two. Yeah, there you go. So you were, uh, you were saying before we got a little interrupted that you had a little story to share about your own personal background with trauma. It, it's usually difficult for me to share this, but um, I had an abusive alcoholic father. Mm. Being alone is, was a re real terrible symptom of that trauma. Mm. Uh, I like to tell the story that when uh, I graduated from high school, my father passed out drunk right in the audience. Mm. And my mother asked me to carry him to the car. Mm. So I carried him across to the parking lot. 20 years later, when I went to my high school reunion. I didn't want to go. My wife pushed me. She said, no, go. You at least see your friends one more time. Not leave it like that. So we did. And I was two things. First of all, surprised at how few people had remembered that. Uh, second of all, 
I felt this great compassion and empathy from my old friends. Hmm. And that dissolved this terrible aching pain inside of I'm carrying this alone. Hmm. Trauma, aloneness accentuates, fuels trauma. But when we reach out to people in trauma and say, I accept you, hmm. we who've been through trauma uh, don't feel acceptable. There's a lot of shame and, and a low feeling of trauma. And when I say to other people, I know what you've been through, or I can relate to it, or I think I have an inkling of what you've been through, but I still care about you, mm. that goes a long way to healing trauma. So right. I'm very much into this idea that we need to have social connections to heal trauma. Now, mm. that is one of the negatives about this coronavirus problem. Mm -hmm. so we have to be isolated. Uh, a pastor here in the Rocky Mountain Synod just posted that she hasn't touched another human being in a month. Mm. Uh, and people tease about it, but that's real pain for her. And I know there are people going through that right now. Right. Uh, we, we are social beings. We like to think of ourselves as being independent, as you mentioned at one point to me, pull yourself up by your bootstraps type. But human beings aren't really that way. We need other people. Right. And and I in that same conversation, and I think we'd mentioned this in before, but like the um the, to be able to name and say that I'm upset and and not have you come back, well, you you shouldn't be upset. You should be looking on the bright side of life. You know, it's the it's the you know, life of Brian Monty Python, they're hanging on the crossing and always look on the bright side of life. I mean that that feels very disingenuous. And, you know, to your point about Jesus, I mean, one of the gifts that we have in a God who became human is that God experienced everything that humans experience, I believe, including anxiety. I, I would even argue trauma. I mean, this is, this is a traumatic thing that, that the Christ went through, you know, and would understand pain, would understand anxiety, would understand fear. Exactly. And that's why when he would enter into the room with the disciples, the first thing he would say is peace be with you because he right. understanding that kind of trauma. So I, I, I think there's a, a, a gift to that. So we were talking about uh, the systems and, and, and the variables that are kind of there in, in, in steps. So what are some of the other variables that you saw that teachers had that, differentiated how they ended up dealing with things and maybe coming to a healthier place. Not, not that every, not that there's a prescription, but what are some of those variables that people can help put in place to help someone? So you said a, a strong social system, um, acceptance is, is a part of that. Um, uh, what other kind of variables? An, do you see? Another one is to seek help quickly. Mm. Um, the more we, if we go through trauma, the longer we put off dealing with it, the more difficult it becomes. And frankly, the more damage we cause our relationships. Mm -hmm. So if we're, we, first we've got to own the trauma. We've got to say, okay, I'm feeling things. I want to get help. Um, I don't want to expose my wife to this grief, this anguish, this fear. I, I don't want to hurt my family relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, 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 the will, the, um, uh, ability to get help quickly is important. And I'm always telling people that um, start doing a self-assessment mm. of how are you doing? Uh, I do it every day, frankly. Uh, how am I doing today? And right now, maybe go day by day. Mm. Just ask, okay, today I'm doing okay. Sometimes it might be hour by hour. But mm. the ability to get help and know if you're at the point where you need to get someone to help you, don't be afraid to reach out. That's a, another critical one. Um, another thing that is important is, um, oh, I would say that 
your your personal view, who you are. Uh, how do I feel about myself is another one. Um, some of us who were abused, some of us who've been through trauma, we have a pretty low self, sense of self-esteem. And uh, I think uh, this is where therapy would really help. I noticed that some of the teachers that went through problems who had a very decent set of personal values, I feel pretty good about myself, were able to get help, were able to work things through who are struggling more about their self-image um, would just say, yeah, well, you see, I'm crap. And therefore, I, I'm not worth going to get help. Yes, you are worth going to get help. And no, you are not crap. Those are some of the general um, uh, uh, variables in this formula. There are many others, but that'll give you a good view. There is one thing we talked about that I wanted to go back to was children. Yeah, you did ask a question of uh, what would we do with children? How much do we say too much or not enough? Believe it or not, I'm 64 and my adult children are calling me uh, about what to do now. And uh, first of all, I always try to have a sense of humor mm. and I'll say to them, you're asking me, this is the first time I've been through coronavirus <laughs> too. Um, but I do say something and this is what I would give to parents. I'll say, you know, in my 64 years, I've been through a lot of ups and downs, traumas, happy times, bad things. And I have learned uh, that I can get through things. Um, and I would say that what parents have got to realize is that you are teaching modeling uh, coping skills. As you said, the prefrontal cortex isn't well developed. Well, this is how it develops uh, by our modeling. And what I've told my, my own children is, you know, I'm anxious, um, but here's why I believe I'm going to be okay. And I don't just say, oh, just believe you'll be okay. Mm. Um, remember when I went through this, or remember we went through that, mm -hmm. we managed to get through it together. Mm -hmm. um, and remember we did feel uh, scared uh, of the unknown, but we worked it day by day and we got through it. Well, we're doing the same thing today. Right. And I would tell the parents, admit, look, I'm a little anxious, but always do a, a counterbalance. Say, but I'm also helpful because of, mm -hmm. oh, and mom and I were newlyweds. Uh, we were thrown out of our apartment and that was difficult. We ended up finding our way back. Right. Not so much relying on physical things, but on the idea of we can work through this, mm -hmm. our skill set is that you can model for kids. I say, I, it's a horrible thing to say, but it's true. This is a wonderful learning experience for us to teach our children how to struggle with things that, are, that seem real overwhelming. Um, but stress the idea of we're going through it together. Going back to what I said, uh, socialization is important in trauma. Yeah. We're together. We're, we'll be a whole lot better off. There's a lot of language in parenting circles right now around resilience and grit. And I think that's what you're getting to is how we're, how are we allowing our kids to feel? And then how are we teaching in them coping skills and problem solving skills to, to, to plan in them how they're dealing with particular things. And so I, to me, it really is developing that resilience in them and saying, see, we've, we've struggled before. We'll struggle again. And it's okay. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of close with this. You know, it, it makes me reflect a little bit. I sat outside with my son, my older son yesterday, he's 15 and we sat on the back porch and um, 
man, it was a 35-minute pessimistic rant from him of just everything that's wrong with the world and all people are bad. I mean, even to the point, and I laugh, but I, I, I do not want to diminish his, his frustration, but like, he's like, even if you look sure. at nature, even looking out there at nature, you, we think it's beautiful, but it's really, it's all just trying to survive and they're all trying to kill each other. You know, like he's mm-hmm. really in that mindset. And I think I could have handled that conversation better. I, you know, I think I could have, um, spent a little more time with him. And I, I tried to listen. I tried to just do reflective listening and just saying, sounds like you're really frustrated. Sounds like you're really upset. Sounds like you're really, I think, you know, what it would be a good thing for me now to reflect back on and maybe try to invite that conversation again is to say, it sounds like you're feeling some trauma. Sure. Go ahead. Matt. The only thing, one other thing I love to give parents at the end here is it's okay to not be perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you don't have to worry about that back porch conversation. He's still with you. Oh, it'll come up again. Yeah. And I'm telling parents this. Just um, it's okay to not be perfect. Um, if you care, they they want to know right now. Do you care about me? Right. Am I connected? Right. Or am I alone? As I, I'm going to keep going back, this idea of trauma and aloneness is a terrible combination. But if you you sat there with him, you gave him a message. You probably weren't understanding at the time dad is sitting here with me mm-hmm. and that's what i need right now right so uh, that i become a, a a prophet of that i guess going around telling people just and it's good here's the good news is i don't feel bad because i live with him so i can call a do-over anytime i want exactly. <laughs> and so i'm exactly. not i don't exactly. i don't even say that out of shame i say okay here's what i've done and here's what i could do differently and so i'm going to invite that conversation again and say hey let's go sit back on yes. the porch and 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 enter into that space with him again and i that's exactly. good. Well, i think um Edward, I, I, I really want to say thanks for coming and sharing some really fantastic thoughts and really helping us get centered on the idea of what trauma is, what it, what it comes from, what are the variables in which we deal with it, and, and then how can we help uh, begin addressing systems in our family. And so I just want to say thanks for bringing your expertise. Um, I'm sure our fam- on, behalf, on behalf of our families, I want to say thank you. Um, thank you. Um, I wish you grace and peace in your work, and I can't wait to see what happens with your book. I, I bet... I can name a whole bunch of teachers here in, in Littleton, Colorado, the home of Columbine and the STEM cells, the STEM school shooting, that they'd be really interested in hearing what you've learned. Well, it'll be, it'll be called Teaching After School Shooting, Echoes of Gunfire, and it's mostly going to be the stories of what did teachers go through and how did they get through it. So thank you for that. That's wonderful. Hey, I wish you grace and peace, and we'll talk to you later. 